Good morning. Welcome to our convocation this morning. We do have a very full agenda and a lot of information to share, so we want to get started on time to make sure everyone has a chance to share the information that's part of our program this morning. Uh, we have highlighted this, this convocation and our focus will be to provide some insights and updates on Title IX, specifically towards resources for, for you as we, and for all of our community as we work collectively to address sexual misconduct on our campus. I'm glad that you're all with us to be part of this as it's a very important topic, not just for Goshen College, but for, for our society as a whole, but specifically higher education, as we know that these issues impact not only Goshen, but many institutions across our country. I want to begin by acknowledging that sexual assault and gender-based harassment, misconduct, and assault happens at Goshen College. And we must continue to address these topics through venues such as this and through the programs that you'll hear about this morning. As we continue to live into our commitment to provide a safe and secure learning environment for all. And as we work to make Goshen College a safe community, the reporting functions that you'll hear about today are an important step in that process as we work to bring about institutional change. In our time together, we'll be able to share a little bit more about some structures in place at the college and how we are all gonna to work together uh, to improve this situation. I now want to take a brief opportunity to update you on our response to the outcomes from an investigation conducted by the Office of Civil Rights of the US Department of Education related to Title IX. As I described in an email to campus in January, we were found to have deficiencies and weaknesses in our policies, structures, uh, specifically related to training, uh, connected to our overall institutional compliance with Title IX. Since January, the Title IX Committee has been working to address the points that were raised through this investigation and the outcomes that were reported. We have specifically worked on crafting an anti-harassment statement and, are also in work, and have also created a new Title IX policy. These items have all been submitted to the Office of Civil Rights in Chicago, who we've been working closely with. Uh, they are being reviewed uh, by the U.S. Department of Education, and upon their approval, we will be able to share these broadly with campus, and we'll post these uh, online, uh, in, in residence halls, in buildings on campus, and then also be able to share more in face-to-face in -face trainings and gatherings. In addition to the work that we have already done, we are now working specifically towards new training initiatives for faculty, staff, and students that will be implemented as soon as possible. These include new programs for incoming first-year students that will be implemented this fall. We are also working on training for faculty and staff, in addition to investigator training for members of the sexual misconduct response team so all of these are underway and will be uh, implemented as soon as we, we finish the curriculum and, and enter the new semester. In addition to that, I want to thank the Prevention Intervention Network, who we'll hear a little bit more from this morning, for all of their work and their continued attention to training peers on our campus. We'll be expanding their work uh, to go beyond just the ICC trainings that are done as we look at our, our comprehensive training strategies as we move forward. PIN has really worked hard to, and is a tremendous resource for all of us. And I'm excited to hear from them today and to, to work with them more closely as we move ahead. I would now like to welcome Beth Martin Berkey, 
Title IX Deputy Coordinator uh, for us uh, to, to begin our conversation on our, our reporting. Good morning. There's a lot of material today to cover, and it's easy to sort of get bogged down in the details of what we're going through. Do know that what you hear today is just sort of an overview. I'm hoping to give you a glimpse of the ways that you can access the resources that we have here on campus, and also help you see some of the people who are working really hard at this campus to make this a safer place for everyone. So I'm gonna go through a variety of things, and um, at the end, I've got a couple announcements, and I'll invite you to stay if you're interested in asking questions. But I'm also working on a frequently asked questions page to add to our Title IX page. So if you have questions that come up today, you want to know more, um, please feel free to email me those questions and I'll include them in the web page as well. So my role, I, in the past I've been faculty advocate, but my role um, right now is to receive the reports from the online reporting form, or things that are referred by other faculty members, or if somebody comes to talk to me in person. I can help students think theoretically about options, so my first go-to place is not to say, so tell me what happened. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to get you to the resources that can help you work with what happened. Um, I can also provide accommodations, so that's a word that you're gonna hear here today as well. And that really varies on what you need. So the overarching goal is to have you be safe and to feel like this is a supportive environment for you um, regardless of what has happened. And so that might mean moving um, a dorm location, it might mean making other residence changes, it might mean changing a work schedule or working with academic support on academic issues. I also then facilitate the investigation process, and that's working with the sexual misconduct response team, which I'll introduce a little bit more later. And that's not, I don't actually do the investigations, but I get it when someone wants to have people look into what happened and come up with a determination, I get that to the committee, and then also then once the finding, I help deliver that information and work with students in looking to the future. Um, I wanted to say something about why I put things in the communicator about what this will and will not be. The Me Too campaign is something that I've, has clearly sort of taken the entire country um, by surprise and I think also by storm. And so I want to let you know a little bit of why I used that title for today's convo. When I think of Me Too, I think of people who are willing to step forward and say, I need to enter into a new space to processing something that happened to me. And that what happened can look really different, and the kind of things you need for help can look really different as well. And so when I thought about Me Too at GC, I just wanted the message to go out that you can report what's happened to you. You can say, Me Too. And you will provide, we will provide you with resources for that. So instead, we're going to be looking at what reporting looks like. What, is it, what does it look like to say Me Too at GC? And to let you know that we provide support with or without reports. Reports are only one avenue for your own healing process. It's not the only one. And so we're here to help you work through that as well. 
Um, I do want to just clarify, I think the national campaign is a really, really f interesting, fascinating phenomenon. As a feminist who's been working with these issues for, for decades, it's just overwhelming to see this playing out nationally like this. But I want to assure you that this isn't a time or space for personal stories, although those will be available as well. And again, know that reporting is one step in healing. And so if someone shares their, their story, I don't think it's in our place to judge how or why or to get into the issues of the fact or if it's true or not, but to better understand why they want to share that story at that point with you or with anyone else, and then to be a supportive presence there as well. One place where we will have some personal stories is the Goshen Monologues, and that's coming up on April 7th. Um, and so I want you to be watching for those, and I hope you're able to attend that as well. Again, those stories are an important part, and the question maybe is not so much whose stories are there, or what does this say, or what are the facts, but to just really take in the fact that people are willing to share their stories and feel that that's an important part of them accepting and integrating and working with the issues that they've faced. I do want to say also that um, in spite of many complications, Me Too is very powerful. And I respect the bravery of those who've said Me Too. I value the awareness that it's brought to gender and sexual violence. And just the fact that so many people say that, Me Too, what does that say about our culture? But I also want to recognize the complexity of a campaign like that. It's one campaign. And it actually is a campaign that was started by a black woman and popularized more recently by a white woman. So there's a lot of complexities within the movement about race and class, about location, gender identity, the nature of what violence is, sexual violence is. Um, and so I also want to own the limits of the campaign to represent those different perspectives or locations, but also just the complexity of individual and systemic violence in our society. It happens on a lot of different levels. So sometimes when we talk about sexual violence and reporting, we're thinking only of sexual assault. And it's not really the case. We're also looking at sexual harassment. And on our webpage, we give a more detailed definition of what some of those things can look like. Comments, groping, all sorts of things. And so just be aware that it's a really complex topic. We're using a large pattern of sexual violence to sort of describe all these different things, but it really varies for so many different people. Um, and it's a part of a culture that really, we have a culture that uses violence and integrates it with sexuality and identity in, in many, many ways. Me Too is relevant at GC. As a women and gender studies prof, I've heard a lot of stories in the last 24 years. And my hope is that if we are able to raise up our awareness about reporting, that more people can report their experiences, more people can find support, and more people, sorry, I'm getting a little behind here, more people can seek resolution, and more people can work towards healing. If you are a survivor, do remember that it's not your fault, nothing that anyone does to you in terms of violence is your fault. You do have choices, and you can take whatever steps you need at whatever pace. 
There are people who are here who care about you and are available to help you 24 hours a day. And the path looks different for every person. I would say of all the cases that I've worked with over the years, none has been exactly the same. So we can come up with all the definition pages we want and all the policies we want, but we have to be able to respond to individual people's needs and individual people's situations. If you've been named in a report, and I'm saying this on our campus, separate from a criminal investigation, remember that regardless of the investigation or its outcome, a report is a response to your behavior. It's something you've said, it's something you've done. And a report is a chance for you to understand how your actions impact other people. Regardless of your intent, regardless of whether it's proven, substantiated or not, I think you have some questions to ask yourself about how other people perceive you and how you impact other people. Do know also though that you will be treated with dignity and respect and courtesy and you have access to resources and support as is appropriate to your particular situation. I do also wanna say a trigger warning and I noticed that the numbers are down today. Madeline assures me that that's partly because everybody already has their credits and so they don't need to come to Combo. Um, but it's also probably part of the title. Um, we're bombarded with this, so why would I go to a Combo about it? But I'm really glad that you're here and I hope that you'll take the information we have here and share it with others. But this is not designed, this reporting thing is not designed to say you should report, you have to report. It's to say that reporting can be a part of your healing. So it's hard, I think, sometimes, but what you're hearing, please don't also see it as a judgment, like, oh, I didn't do it that way, so I must have done it wrong. There is no right way to do this. Um, so take care of yourself and reach out for help afterwards. The web page is pretty complicated. It's got some basic sections, and I hope you look at it if you have some questions. And I would, if you haven't looked at the online reporting form, Faculty, staff, students, do that. Leave this combo and go do that. And see what kind of information is there as well. Um, I think I'm gonna skip through some other things, but just give you some basic pieces here. Um, we will respond to your story and your report. The way OCR is sort of highlighting things for us in their investigation is we need to address the reports that we get. We need to remedy the situations people are experiencing and we need to prevent them from happening again. That's a pretty basic framework. And so I'm, I'm excited, I mean, that's been in the language of Title IX, but I think the OCR agreements and conversations have really helped us see that in a new way. And so just those might be some frameworks that help you think about what we're trying to do as well. Um, a couple of terms, and I'm going too fast here. Um, I think at this point I'm going to talk just a little bit, and my slides didn't make it into this version, but I'm going to talk just a little bit about some different elements. I am now, I'm an interesting example because I had been a confidential resource and now I'm a mandatory reporter. And I just want to say about mandatory reporting, it's defined online, but it's any GC employee who has the ability to help you address your situation. So that pretty much includes everybody. So if you're working on the custodial staff or if you're working in the printing office and you decide to tell that person that you want some help, 
they are able to get you to the resources that you need. And so all Goshen College employees, including ResLife staff and your RAs, are mandatory reporters. And I want to emphasize that mandatory reporting is not a punishment. It can sound like policing. So I'll just give you my take. I don't think it's really sunk in for a lot of people. But my take is that mandatory reporting is there to give everybody consistent, clear ways of approaching and processing a situation. So think about it. You don't want person A, like if you tell your coach, depending on what they know, they may give you a different response. If you go tell Gilberto, you're going to get a different response. If you go tell somebody else, you're going to get a different response. In mandatory reporting, employees are responsible to be trained and ready to give a consistent response and to get you to the offices and the people who can help you directly. So an employee's responsibility is not to be your counselor, although they can be a wonderful support. It's not to solve your problem. It's not to ask you for details. It's really just to say, how can I support you and get you to where you need to be? The other side of this is confidential reporters. And those are people who can hear what you have to say, listen to you, give you some feedback, offer some, just basically ask you what it is that you need right now. But they don't have to report. And that's recognizing that there's times that you're not ready to report. You're not ready to go to that next step. You just want somebody to listen and say, this is just not making sense to me, or I know what happened, but I don't know what to do about it, and I'm feeling like it's really taking over my life. I need something different. And that confidential source can help you think through that. Um, and that's why those people are named. Those people are people whose jobs would inherently have that, so our campus counselors, that's logical. Campus pastors would also be people by virtue of their job of hearing the things you're concerned about spiritually. It makes sense that this might come up. Um, the only exception then to this would be if the story that you tell involves a minor or if there's a sense of immediate threat to you or to someone else or the community as a whole. Then that person needs to step outside of their confidential role and contact the Title IX office or campus safety or other things. So I've asked Regina to come up and talk. She is the campus faculty advocate starting here in January and talk a little bit about what reporting looks like from her perspective. And then I think I'm gonna follow it with just some of the other fantastic people. I'm not alone in this task. There's many other people who are part of this. And the next will be then Kendra Yoder, who's also a confidential source for her work related to PIN. And then we'll follow that with two PIN educators, Madeline Kaufman and Evan Crable. And they'll tell us a little bit more about kind of some of the reporting questions that they have. And we'll end with Hannah Hostetler, who's going to talk a little bit about the Survivor Support Network and the resources that are there, whether you report or not. Thank you, Beth. So as Beth just said, uh, you have a number of options in terms of uh, processing and talking about and perhaps sharing something that has happened to you. And as Beth said, I am one of those people who is not a mandatory reporter. And so you can come and talk to me, you can email me and I'll give you that information uh, in just a second. If you just wanna process, uh, sometimes when uh, things happen, we don't know what it means or how we feel about it or what to do about it. And so um, 
this can be on the spectrum from, I don't even know the words to say, but I feel like I need to sit with someone, or I have a bunch of stuff to say and, and where, uh, who can I talk to? I can be one of those people, or I can direct you to another source. I'm known to many of you as your professor. Some of you don't know me in that way yet, but uh, I hope that you can find your way to me uh, if you need to. Um, if you, I can also talk to friends of people who are trying to figure out what to do. Um, I'm not a mandatory reporter, uh, except in the cases that, that Beth outlined, if uh, there is a minor involved or there seems to be an immediate threat. So you can be in touch with me via uh, my regular email, or there's an email that you can um, that, that you can write to facultyadvocate at goshen.edu. You can call me on the Faculty Advocate line. Uh, the extension is 6232. And you can find me in my office at, in the WISE building, WISE 309. Email is probably the best way to get in touch with me because I check email obsessively, and I will probably see an email before I see a blinking light on the phone, but, but both of those ways are ways to get in touch with me. So again, facultyadvocate at goshen.edu, or my extension is 6232, and I'm in WISE 309. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kendra Yoder, and I'm the Faculty Advisor Coordinator for the Prevention Intervention Network. How many of you have had some kind of bystander education here on campus? Okay, look around. Everybody should be raising their hand almost. Okay. Um, we have been in existence for about four years now, and we have trained, I think we have estimates of about 1,200 people on our campus and in the broader community. Uh, today, this group, um, student-led group, uh, we stand about 33 strong. And can I have my the PIN educator stand so you can be recognized, everybody? These are your PIN educators um, on our campus. Many of you will recognize them from ICC presentations or will see them um, in your classrooms next year. Thank you. Uh, we are here uh, to provide that prevention and education work on campus to change culture before incidents of sexual violence and harassment um, start. And so we really have that privilege of opening up the conversation and being committed to cultural change here at GC. Our mission um, for this group is that we believe that as members of the Goshen College community, we have the power to shape our campus into a safe and supported space. Uh, we seek to eradicate rape culture and stop sexual violence, harassment, and rape by empowering bystanders to actively prevent and intervene in potentially harmful situations. And the power of that piece of having a community context to hold accountability, to hold responsibility, to have a shared language and a shared expectation of how we treat each other, of how we support each other. Um, if we are responding to a friend who is in crisis or who has had something 
um, happen to them, or if we're seeing behaviors uh, by our friends and community that somehow violate our community standards or standing in opposition to um, the values of a safe campus. Um, we have the power collectively to address that and to stop it before it um, gets too much further. I think one of the really important things um, that we do is we are access points to resourcing on campus. And so when you saw those people stand up, um, they are people who know um, definitions of mandatory and non-mandatory. They know about confidentiality. They know about um, how to connect your friends and your community members to support if they need it. Um, so please, um, shoulder tap us as people who can help you. Um, the other piece is just to empower all of you to feel like you can ask any of us if you have questions. Um, you can also ask any of us if you want to to have a specific conversation on campus, if you want some specific programming um, about a specific issue. We really wanna promote that education, um, that conversation. We wanna get into the mess of it, because it is. It's hard stuff to talk about. Uh, we are done with this being a taboo topic. We wanna address it. We wanna look it squarely in the face and say, not here, not now. Um, one of the exciting things, um, our new cohort of people, we have um, uh, pin trainers who are hoping to develop culturally competent um, educational programming for particular groups on campus and um, programs that address athletes and, and men and um, uh, doing, uh, developing more community-based projects where we're partnering with high schools and youth groups, and um, it's all very, very exciting. So anything you can do to support this progress, come and talk to us, come and share your ideas with us, and we will continue to be stronger together. So I've got some people here who had some questions about reporting, so I thought they'd be the best people to tell you how to answer those questions. And so one of the things we want to shift to right now is just looking a little bit at some of the reporting processes. And some questions you might have would be, why would I report? Why would I not report? What happens when you do report? And how can you get more involved if you do have questions about report, reporting? So just real quickly, why would you report? Again, you get assistance. You might report off campus. Um, you do need to think about, depending if it's in a sexual assault, you might need to have criminal charges involved. So the resources that you find, there's lots of reasons, I think, to report off campus if it's a criminal um, investigation as well. If you're on campus, they're going to talk a little bit about some of the different kinds of reporting. If you look online, you'll see that there's an option of reporting anonymously reporting with your name but not wanting an investigation, and reporting and wanting an investigation. As far as how you report, um, you can sort of do it in a couple of different ways. You can do it online. You can do it with a friend, a peer, uh, an employee, a confidential employee. You can also just simply bypass Goshen entirely and get some resources off campus. With any employee, with an RA or a uh, ministry leader in ML. This is what the web page looks like, and it's got some different categories, and you'll see that there's a reporting part uh, right at front. 
You can get to this page from the MyGC page down in the lower left-hand corner. That's also a location for the, sexual mis the racial misconduct reporting button. This is what the online reporting button looks like, and you'll note that there's things like, what information do I need to provide? Um, what will happen with the information? And looking through this sometimes I think can even just help you understand and maybe name some of the things that have happened to you. Um, in an investigation, this would be one option if this is something that you choose. Um, the sexual mis misconduct response team is there to investigate reports, determine whether it's been substantiated or not, be objective and fair, and issue consequences, complete the work in a timely manner, and communicate with both people. These are some of the folks who are going to be going through some additional training, and some of them have been trained in the past for their investigative work. I think I'm going to skip. There are online some things that list the rights of reporters and complainants, and there are rights of people who've been alleged to be an offender or a respondent, so make sure that you're aware of those as well. So the question that Madeline and Evan brought would be, what happens to you when you report and if you report in different ways. And so they're going to show you kind of a different way of looking at that. Hey, guys. Um, so most likely, since you've been at Goshen College, you've heard or seen the phrase reporting in the context of sexual violence. Um, maybe you heard it in your bystander education training in ICC. You've seen it on a communicator post or you know, on a poster in the hallway. If your experience was like mine, at the beginning of your first year, and maybe even continuing on into other years, this concept of reporting was never entirely clear. What exactly happens when you hit the submit report button? Where does that information go? Who has access to it? Who sees your story? When I joined PIN and became an official PIN member, started attending the meetings, I learned so much about resources and reporting, and I began to wonder how that information could be made more clear to everyone on campus, not just PIN members. All right, so part of the goal of this convocation is to make the reporting process a little bit clearer. Uh, in addition, Madeline, Beth, and I have been working on a, a revised sexual violence resource guide poster uh, that will be around the halls and around campus, and it helps to uh, explain what each resource can do for you, depending on where you want to go, and uh, where that information you share, uh, where the information that you share will go with each resource. All right, so if you take a look at this chart up here, this is hoping, we're hoping this will be on the poster and we have a couple different columns about uh, general information about each resource. So uh, can the resource offer support, treatment, or referrals to another resource? Can the resource assist with on or off campus accommodations like, like Beth was saying a little bit earlier? Um, will the resource share your information, your story with anyone else? And uh, the asterisk also denotes that in the, in the same case as was addressed earlier, if the, if the instance involves a minor or someone is in immediate danger, then that mandatory reporting status is uh, also in place. And then is the resource required to share info with the Title IX staff? And then some of the resources um, are the faculty advocate, the PIN coordinator, uh, Kendra, uh, the residence life coordinators and RAs, and any GC faculty or staff, and so they, they all have varying roles, varying levels. And then some more Title IX staff, uh, campus counseling, campus pastors, and then 
campus security, campus safety officers, and then police is later, and then survivor support network, the Goshen Hospital emergency room. Will not share my information with anyone. Depends on what route you want to choose. If you go to the emergency room, there are various paths that you can take from that. Uh, Goshen Family Physicians, the Goshen Police Department, and the Elkhart County YWCA. And then also on there is going to be the online reporting form. And then that will also have different routes depending on how much information you like to choose. You 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 choose to share and and uh, and what you want to happen. Um, so no institution is perfect, right? Um, but hopefully you'll see that we are actively working as PIN members, but also just as the institution itself to make our resources and our reporting process more clear. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name's Hannah, and I'm gonna quick find my slide. Okay. I am a fourth year social work student, and I'm here this morning just to give you all a little context about what the Survivor Support Network is, what it looks like, and who all can get involved. So the Survivor Support Network started two years ago by a student um, who's no longer here on campus, and after she left, this support group actually discontinued for about a year. So this fall, another student and I felt it was important to restart this program for other students on campus who'd experienced um, sexual violence. So Survivor Support Network is open to any student on campus who's experienced some form of sexual violence and wants to increase their support network um, in processing their experience. And uh, I totally understand the vulnerability that and trust that it takes to walk into a space like Survivor Support Network where you don't know who all will be there um, and what exactly that'll look like. So hopefully I can share a bit and decrease some of those anxieties. Additionally, it's a confidential space. So nobody knows where we meet or when we meet until you email Kate or I, our emails are up there, um, and then we will include that in information about those times. Additionally, um, nobody's required to share the details or the context of your experience. So one of the guidelines that we established when we revamped this group was that this group is, is the main focus is self-care and increasing your understanding and support. And so we recognize that there might be times where someone needs to process their experience and that's okay. We want it to be an open space where you can share what you need to get off your chest. But at the same time, we recognize that there might be other survivors in the room who may feel triggered based off what you're sharing. And so there's this understanding that you can step in and out to take care of yourself, and you also can share what you need to share in that space. So with that, we encourage people to step out, but also maintain that group as an open space to share. Sexual violence encompasses a wide range of experience, but despite the wide spectrum, as a group of survivors, we recognize that we can all support each other and identify commonalities in the, our healing processes and work together. So what do we do at our meetings? Since both Kate and I studied social work, we've brought in a variety of therapeutic activities and have focused discussions that we choose and have a theme for each meeting. So Kate has led some art therapy exercises, um, I've led some meditations, and we've both facilitated some conversations about important topics, such as the Me Too movement, as well as reporting here at Goshen College, 
uh, naming triggers, and discussing different emotions that are associated with experiences. So while we recognize that these kinds of activities are really important, we're also very flexible. So depending on the week, if there are needs that particular group members bring, we can adjust our conversations. Um, we also have intentional self-care times where we meet and we color or we bring in snacks or we intentionally give ourselves space where we can take a break and disconnect from what's all going on in our weekly lives. So to end, I just want to say that they're one of the really great things about Survivor Support Network that Beth had also mentioned is that you can come to our group if you've experienced in form of sexual violence, um, but you don't have to have had reported. So if you report, you can come, and if you haven't reported or an experience has happened outside of the college campus, either before or during breaks, you are more than welcome to join our group. So email Kate or I, and we can get you in touch with more information. Thanks. So I wanted to highlight for both faculty and students some things that you can do to support survivors, either through the reporting process or before or after. Um, so say that you believe them and it was not their fault. And in, in, in other words, but, and fault is an interesting question because on the one hand, yet you were in that situation, but you did not ask for violence to be done to you in any way. So regardless of the situation you were in, you did not, you were not to blame for any violence that happened. You can talk about being sorry for what has happened to them, ask how you can help and just be present with them. Use the language they use, don't try to diagnose or define for them. Offer them resources. And rep remember that trauma impacts memory. So our impulse is maybe what happened when and where and all those facts and the linear kind of things. And trauma does not allow your, your brain to process things in the, the same way. And so often a survivor is just going to simply need to recount things as they arise. Things may be added later. That's not a sign that somebody's not telling the truth. It's that their brain is working through different ways of trying to surface the information. Try to avoid naming their experience. Try to avoid making decisions for them. So don't say, we have got to go. Um, let them um, do that as well, unless you feel like they need immediate medical treatment. Try to, don't try to be more than you are. You're not a counselor, so help get them to a counselor. Don't make it about your own discomfort, and that can be really difficult, especially if you know both parties who are involved in an incident. It can be about your relationship, your feelings, your fears, et cetera, and that's not appropriate in this context. You can find support for yourself in other places, and I encourage you to do that. Um, don't express anger at others. Just simply report, just support and ask how you can help. And don't push people for information. So I mentioned trauma. A couple of things that are happening tomorrow at 6.30 to 9, Mari Irvine from the Indiana Consortium to End Sexual Assault is going to be here on campus. Some of you may have seen her earlier. She did a shortened version of this um, neurobiology of trauma, the impact of traumatic events on victim behaviors and, mem and memories. It's really helpful, I think, maybe for those of you who are involved in education as well as interested in the medical field or nursing, um, people who are gonna be working social work, people who are gonna be working with other people, I think this would be a really helpful resource. 
Um, upcoming events, we have, um, there's a task force on the climate survey that you recently took. Thanks for your filling all that out. We got a really great response. Um, April 7th is the monologues, so I encourage you to attend that here. April Sexual Violence Awareness Month, and if you see cool things out there that you think we should do during the month of April, just contact one of us. Kendra mentioned asking for the programming that you think you, you need, and we can help you get that as well. And finally, just an announcement for everyone um, that we have, I'm also part of the Inclusion and Equity um, Task Force Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Task Force, along with Dominique Bergender-Johnson from Communication and Marketing. And you've seen emails from the President about nominating yourself to be a part of that task force. If you want to just go look, it talks about the kind of skills that we're looking for. Do also note that if it's a, it's a, it's a large task force, but clearly not everybody can be on that. So the task force is just one piece. So if you don't get on the task force or you don't feel like you can commit to the task force, Feel free to talk to one of us about starting a smaller subgroup that can research a piece or support an issue or look at how this applies in a given context. So there's a lot of different ways to involve, get involved and we encourage you to do that as well. All right, thank you so much for coming and for listening to a lot of information. If you wanna stay and ask questions, feel free to do so.